Okay, <laughs> folks, welcome back to the Backstage Cowboys podcast. This is Claude Vien. Uh, this time, I drove up to Sorel Tracy to meet up with my old buddy, who with whom I've been touring for years, and I haven't seen in a few years, actually, my good friend Eric Massicot. And would you believe I had to drive out here in a rented car? <laughs> Yeah, my old Mazda CX-7 uh, tires were starting to make bubbles in the back. I'm, I'm a bit negligent on that, so I just took it to my mechanic, rented a car, and came out here and to see my friend who has the kindness of having me in his beautiful country house. So um, let's just do the uh, opening act music thing uh, and get on with the interview. Okay, guys, take it away. Yes. How's it going, man? Very good. Yourself? Oh, me? <laughs> I'm I'm in heaven. All right, that's good. I'm in heaven just to be here, just to see you. Well, I'm happy to see you again. It's been such a long time. It has. And at least now you can't say that it doesn't exist because where I used to live before, you said Saint-Rabert. No, it doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> yeah, I had forgotten about that. Every time he tells me I live in Saint-Rabert, well, yeah. Saint-Rabert doesn't exist. It wasn't on I, the I, GPS. It's so. not on the map, man. <laughs> No, this is beautiful. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I, I had the occasion to come and see this. And thank you for having me in well, your beautiful house. This is really great. It's the first time of many more, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's funny because when I drove up in the driveway and I saw you coming, it was like as if we had never parted. Yeah. Well, it's usually yeah. the. I find it's like that often, and and like we're talking showbiz, right? But it's it's often like that. I find you you meet people, you get close to them, uh, you don't see them for like years and years and then after that you get on another gig or you see him somewhere else and it's like you know time stopped but i guess that's how it is i don't know yeah well we're lucky enough you haven't changed (laughs) (laughs) it's all good hey eric uh i i absolutely wanted to get you on this podcast because you've you know from years of touring with you i've heard so many stories and i realize we can't cram all that up into one episode okay but we'll do what we can yeah. we'll see if we can get the hot juicy stuff out well, first we'll, and... we'll try Let's see if i remember <laughs> yeah let's start with today so what's what's your job today what do you do today i consider that i have like two jobs one that would take about i would say 80 percent of my time the other one about 20 uh, both in sound, um, mm-hmm. I do lo- I do the, they call it A1. Now, if I want to explain it to it, it's like the head audio. I uh, love that. I love that expression. A1. What's A1. Your, what's your job? A1. A1. Well, the- <laughs> you're at the top of the classifieds. You know? <laughs> when I get, when I get to security, sometimes that's what they say. A1. Oh, okay. I guess you're up there, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. yeah you're, A1. You're the big guy. Here. Yeah. It's, it's, it's audio senior, uh, audio first or whatever. It's, I, I do the, uh, the, the, the hands-on, the broadcast sound for a mini sports event, uh, in the mobile field. So, um, that's always um, live sound, live to TV. Mm-hmm. It's hardly ever taped. And the other part is I still do some variety uh, stuff um, for uh, different shows uh, here in Quebec mostly. And in the variety field, my expertise is often uh, the intercom 
specialist. I get to do more intercom now in in the sports uh, events because it gets more and more complicated, and I I always enjoyed it. Which is funny because intercom for sound guys is usually the uh, forgotten cousin you don't want to talk to. <laughs> but I always enjoy doing it, so I guess uh, I opened up the field for that. But you no, know, that's basically what I do is uh, the the sound for the broadcast of uh, sports events uh, on different channels and uh, variety shows. The intercom, yeah. All right, hey. So actually, what you're doing now, um, if we're talking about sound for live broadcasts, which means that I'm sitting at home, I'm watching a football game, and what I hear. You're the guy sending that signal to me. Exactly. You're mixing it and you're exactly. broadcasting yeah. it. Yeah. Like I, uh, one of the field I do most, being from Canada, a, eh, is uh, hockey. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. So that means you're in the hot seat, really. That, yeah. So uh, you know, um, you know, the expression "follow the puck" never has been uh, <laughs> so true to me because there's a lot of microphones uh, on on the uh, on an ice rink. There's ten. Oh. Uh, ten mics that are hung up on the uh, on the on, on the, the windows, which uh, sometimes when oh this is a a special announcement to everybody. If you're at a rink and you like banging on the windows, just don't do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, first of all, the players don't care. Uh, second of all, they don't hear you. But everybody at TV are just annoyed because all all you hear is ding 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 on the air. But these microphones pick up the uh, the action on on, on the ice. Uh, then you have uh, the uh, guys who describe the game, the guy who colors the game, uh, the reporter that does the interviews, the music going to commercials, coming back to commercials, the uh, replays that we do, the special uh, what packages that they have done before. Everything is mixed and a lot of it is, uh, well, it's live. So during the game, uh, then I bring up the microphones that are closer to the players mm-hmm. being hockey being in curling being in whatever and, and that's yeah. how we're able to hear what the referee says the referee has a mic on him oh okay. and uh okay. but it's off right obviously yeah and when the referee talks then uh i will bring up that microphone up just for that period of time then you'll hear it but yeah exactly you, you don't have a big turnaround time i mean you got to be on the ball all the time to see who's talking at what time and yeah, yeah. It, it, you go um, there. Basically, uh, in, in unusual days, I will go in the truck around like, let's say, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock in the morning, do the setup. Uh, the A twos, which are the assistants, mm-hmm. uh, they go up out, out on the field. They put the mics up. They put you know like the headsets up or the drops that we call them in the uh, locker rooms or whatever where we're gonna have interviews. Then we fax them, which means we test everything up. They sit in position, and then we just test everything audio-wise. And then after that, it's a quick lunch. And then, you know, usually we're uh, doing a lot of um, pre-producing stuff. A lot of commercial, right? Sports involves a lot of sponsors and commercials and uh, whatever. So there's a lot of things that are um, people don't really realize but let's say you have like a a a publicity for like let's say a a next game well the next game will involve um let's say i don't know uh, um some sort of um scenic of uh, the new city where the the game will be that will come out of the tape room Mm -hmm. uh then they'll have somebody uh, putting up the uh graphics on the tv that you know the things that's written that you'll see and then we'll have a music so in in order to simplify during the, the the live sport event then we'll 
call it we'll package that during you know before the game starts so you know cue the scenic uh cue the guy who'll do the overdub and then cue the music everything is taped and that's called the package and that package will later on during the live show be played where i don't have to you know worry about which music i'm going to play it's already done yeah, yeah, so okay. there's a lot of pre-production that we do before the game and then obviously when, okay. once the game starts we're, we're on more that's life. done right before the game that's done sometimes just before lunch sometimes coming back from lunch depending <laughs> on how the uh, the 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 events were but yeah okay. the thing that's stressful about it is there's a lot of time that we'll be setting up stuff um problems might occur and stuff like that and then you would have uh some if you have a buzz or if you have a problem or whatever then you got to figure it out then you only have a certain amount of time to do it because yeah. there is a live game yeah at night so um eric just walked away from the mic now because uh, there's something on the stove and it's going bloom 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 i think he's burning water or something okay that's that's the fun about real being in a real environment right <laughs> yeah. this is not controlled whatever happens happens i've said yeah. it before i don't know maybe a plane will land on your land in the back uh, there you got enough room right? there's a there's an airport there close by anyway well what do they need an airport for i mean you got kilometers I, <laughs> of, uh, of land in the back there yeah, you can do it yeah <laughs> okay so uh yeah back to um Live sports. So, okay, so you're the guy uh, sitting in the trailer and mixing all of this stuff and putting it all together. Um, one thing that I will always wonder, like sometimes you have something that appears at the bottom of your screen, like this little orange bar with the name of the players yeah. and a bit of history and all that. And then you hear like a swoosh sound yes. coming in and going out. The I good, heard something about that before. So. Good old spot box, that's called. You oh, know. Yeah, okay, exactly. so, so what's that all about? That's, uh, well, you know, there's, there's this company that like, there's a lot of things, but the main company that makes uh, the replay are, is EVS. It's called EVS. I, I think it's from Belgium or something like that. I'm not a video guy myself, but uh, they're like a computer-based uh, drive that you could record all kinds of sources and stuff like that. So uh, nowadays, there's a lot of uh, the replays, the slow-mos, the, mm -hmm. the super slow-mo and stuff like that. And the uh, switchers which you know the uh, who the ones who uh, actually cut the cameras uh, you know take five five yeah. take three three whatever uh -huh. they also have um this um this uh i guess they have the access to a part of that evs so sometimes uh when they cut between a camera to another one or from a replay to back to a camera they have this effect mm -hmm. uh whether it's the team logo or the the tv stations logo or whatever and then they call it the effects and then there is sound on on it okay. so those things to me on the console they're always up um so if they hit if they hit the button and they they do that transition they call the transition between yeah, yeah. then the, the switch sound will come up the other one that talking about the uh, the, the things that are written they're, they're, we call it either the bug or the duet which are come are like um they're brand new. it's like calling a tissue a kleenex you know what i'm oh, saying yeah. so yeah. but um i don't know what the, the character generator i guess you you uh -huh. would say um oh, they also have sometimes uh diff depending on on the station depending on the company or whatever they do they have some sound to it so those two things also i have up on the console uh -huh. all the time except that with technology being what it is now you can um 
I have um, GPIs, which are like a general purpose input output. They So my console fader will be hooked up to the guy who is actually switching the cameras. So whenever he'll put on the air uh, that character generator, then it will open up my fader. Oh, so then the sound will come up and then you'll hear the swish sound that it makes or whatever. And then once that's off the air that you don't see it on the TV anymore, it mutes my channel. So then the guy could play whatever or he could rearrange his stuff. I don't have to worry about, oh, the fader is still up. Yeah, so uh, your fader is remote controlled. Some of yeah. them, they are. Uh, okay. I could, I could a lot of, uh, on, on races, car races or uh, the Red Bull crashed ice, for example, there's a lot, it, when, when the, the, the cut to the cameras are like, you know, uh, one after the other, fast following a car, whatever. And um, on cameras, we have the opportunity to put a microphone so what happened often is then we'll have uh, those microphones on those cameras uh, being open uh-huh. as he switches. So as soon as he switched to a camera to follow the car, obviously that's the sound you want to have. Okay, that's yep. why in a car race we always hear the sound of the car coming around the yeah. right corner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I always wondered about those. I figured, okay, so there's cameras all over the track. I mean, how do you know which one... It's you follow, okay. yeah. So uh, the mic is kind of synchronized yeah. with whatever's on the air. Yeah. So on the air live, I gotta ask the question that I ask to anybody doing live: bloopers, glitches, fuck ups. Yeah. So tell me about those. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the 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 one of the things uh, you would get, which is funny, is uh, we're live, we're playing hockey, and uh, obviously you know the uh, f bomb. Could come often. That's how they call it. Um, I'm lucky. I I work uh, in Quebec and I work for uh, you know like a French uh, station, which which you know the word fuck we could say on air, even on radio, doesn't matter, right? And uh, but um, so if I work for that station, I don't worry about it, especially if there's like a fight or a little you know scrap behind the goal or something like that after the whistle has blown or whatever. I like to put up those effects, Mike, up, you know, because yeah. you know you kind of, you're part. It's like you're there, you know. You want to get that sound. Basically, what I like is what you see is what you hear. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so uh, th- that's what I try. But when you do like a, an American, especially an American network or an English network, you got to be careful with. Uh, those uh, those sounds and uh, those f those fucks that the players would say, but at the same time, you, sometimes you'll get the producer saying, "Hey, watch those things," and you're like, "How the hell do you want me to know about that?" You know, it happened. You know, I didn't know. It's you know, either you get a memo in the locker room saying, "Hey, guys, don't swear," but it doesn't work that way. Uh, story that a friend of mine he does uh, in Ottawa. Um, He's got like he's got all this mic open in the middle of the ice, and then somebody has a slap shot, and the poor guy gets it on the ankle or something like oh. that. And all you hear is like "fuck, fuck, fuck" <laughs> as he's going to, <laughs> to the bench. And then okay, you turned off the mic, but then what else? Too so, late, man. Yeah. So the when first you play, three ones yeah. came up on the air. So so you obviously that replay will be sound off. <laughs> <laughs> and how about mistakes, like? Mistakes? Oh, I've done. Does that happen? Does yeah. it ever happen? Like okay, the wrong you're on music, the air and there's yeah, or or you, there's just nothing coming out, or yeah, does that ever happen? Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Uh, live shows, uh, there's mistakes. Obviously, I've made some. Uh, there's uh, technical difficulties, uh, mm-hmm. a mic cutting out. 
there's nothing you could do about it. Um, you get uh, you get one chance to do a player interview. Yeah. Once they do the, uh, the you know with the warm ups, uh-huh. they they and then they're yeah, on they're the there bench for a few seconds. That and it. that's it. if you yeah. missed it, too bad they're gone. It's yeah. so uh, so sometimes it happened. The mic uh, last week or two weeks ago, which I I balled out of this one. I mean, I'm in Pittsburgh. Uh, we have this guy over the bench. He's got. I, we're actually not in. Uh, we're we're live with the studio. There's a lot of pre-game shows that like in the studio, but they come in remote to do little hits with people that are already up in the, uh, in in, mm-hmm. in in the in the field or whatever they are. So I get this guy who's on the bench, and uh, I guess he's kind of talking to production about the order of you know what he's going to talk about and the visual we're going to be playing you know we're going to talk about this player this player this player so the guys at tape has to know which order the visual of the example has to play oh, yeah, so yeah. so the producer talks to him and then obviously something's changed in the order of the visual so the guy puts down his mic so it goes oh i'm going to put down my mic and i'll you know i'll write it down so because he did that he moved the mic and i heard like a sound and then i lost the mic so there's no sound and then we're up on the air like in about 30 seconds so then all i did is like okay i have no mic there's nothing i could do so i actually called on the we have talkies with the a2s and one of the a2s was not too far and he had the uh, wireless microphone Uh from the the other host and so i'm like okay just can you run and then the guy just ran 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 and then he gave the mic and then I think it was like 10 seconds before the air. And then the guy looks all cool. Hey, hey, I'm back on the air. And then, <laughs> But then the guy, he was just like, he had no mic 10 seconds prior to that. And said, you never know, but, you know, it's, the show must go on. I'm sure there's a lot of <laughs> things in extremis that happens like that. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, damn, I had a question. I forgot it. It's all right. That happens all the time. Right? <laughs> um, we're talking about uh, ClearCom. Um, well, I, I say Clearcom, but I mean, you know, all Kleenex and a tissue. Yeah, clear, Kleenex <laughs> and a tissue. There you go. Exactly. A frigidaire. Yes. Yeah, you, because I know that when we were touring together, you were pretty much a specialist of that com. I mean, com is people communicating with each other yeah. within. So, I, you know what? I'm going to let you elaborate on that because I know it's it's come to a point where it's very complex. Yeah. And uh, and I'm just starting, you know, from my job at AVL, I'm just starting to get into that world, and seeing um, how how difficult it can be to, to manage, like, you know, maybe 120 people talking trying to, to each, communicate yeah. to each other, and certain people have to have priority and whatever. Uh, I'm gonna let you tell me about all that. Okay. Well, first of all, when Clearcom or actually communications comms comms, it's just called comms, and it was. Um, like I said, it's always it's always been like I even when I started back way way back at Solo Tech, you know, just being a PA tech and stuff like that. People like you know setting up wireless. People like setting up you know PA systems, and then you are talking about consoles, and then but then oh yeah, we have to do the intercom, and it's it was always you know a lot of a lot of time. It's not the sound department's mostly used facilities you know other Mm -hmm. but then light people like it because they talk to follow spots all the time Uh, production has to talk on it so but because it has an xlr i guess it always was into the sound there's there's been an argument an ongoing argument every time i got to a gig i remember the sound guys handing all the comms over to us 
the the light guys because we're the ones using it. Yeah, most of the most time. Most of the time, and, and we're the ones who have no fucking clue how they work, <laughs> right? right? So how you know we're gonna have to shovel it back to the yeah. sound guys who just look at us with a little smile and say, "Well, yeah." It's part of the sound because it makes sounds. But I understand it's it's funny. Yeah. But the thing is, like the, the what I wanted to say is just it's funny because it's I find it's the backbone of any shows. If you're a live show. Uh, doing stage, doing like they're the ones who are gonna have like especially the cues that go in cue, turn on the light, black out this. Uh, yeah. You're doing a TV show. Uh, you got to talk to uh, you know. There's a lot of stuff going on. You know, like the, the there's a lot of people that are describing you know sports events or whatever. They they're not encyclopedias. You know, they, there are people talking to them saying, oh, say this and say that. Oh, by the way, he scored 35 goals. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So like prompters, but yeah, in-ear. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, Com actually holds all these shows together. If you have a TV show going on, you have a problem with sound, right? You could always put a character and saying, "We're having sound difficulties. Please stand by." Yeah. If you're having video problems, you have no more image. You could always have a microphone and a guy saying, "We're having video problems. Please stand by." If you're having Com problems, you have no show. <laughs> so it's always been you know the the, the backbone yeah. of all that so before you know way back it used to be just uh it started with you know theater and it was just basically uh a lot of uh telephone engineers that you know brought this system to the i guess the live application saying oh we can have a two-way conversation on one wire and we're just got because they don't want to make complex stuff it's, you know you could build you know like a, i could give everybody a microphone everybody a pair of headphones everybody a console and then we could build a system that we could talk to but it's complicated so they invented you know it started with like one wire called a party line call it a party line because everybody was on it so you know and it was you know unless you have something to say just shut the fuck up because somebody else more important will will talk and then it became oh how how, how about if we make you know uh two party lines one for sound one for light and then and then and so on and so on and then the matrices you know being the digital world that we're getting into uh now that they are i could have matrices uh, which is like X amount of inputs versus X amount of outputs. And whatever I program, I could, you know, make somebody talk to one guy or another or uh, priority this, priority that. So it, it that's how the complexity of it became. But you got to always, always keep in mind that, you know, I always bring it back to the... Uh, to the basics like do you really need to talk to so many people and you know the more in comms that i find the more you keep it you know less complicated the more if something breaks or something happens it's easy for you to to go mm-hmm. and, and troubleshoot and stuff but from an, a user point of view yeah okay an amateur a guy who doesn't know how this works and i have an anecdote on that by the way <laughs> i remember one time i was doing a setup it's bell center i don't remember what it was it was a private party and i was i was starting and um i was i don't know passing cable hooking up lights and everything and i was done doing what i needed to do and i go up to the technical director and said i'm done well he says you want to keep on working i said sure he says okay he says you're going to go well wire up all the clear comes and make sure they are they're working and they don't buzz so i wire up all the clear comms which were clear comms at the time <laughs> and and uh and then I, I i grab all of them and there was this one station at a follow spot that was buzzing so i figured oh cool i have a problem to solve so i go up to the the main unit 
which is at, at uh, FOH station. And uh, I look on the unit and I see there's an EQ there. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> it's not, of course. But I, I, exactly I think it's an EQ, right? I know exactly what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, what it really is is that like each channel... Yeah. Each each line you can put it on a different channel. You got right? four, I didn't four know channels, that. Yeah. I thought it was an EQ <laughs> and I figured, well, the buzz must be around such and such frequency. Those are from my days that I thought I was a sound man. <laughs> so I just grab that frequency, which in my head is a frequency. Yeah. I pull that down, I go back to the headset, it's not buzzing anymore. No. I fixed it. Yeah. Shit. No, I shut it off. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was alone, right? <laughs> so anyway, from a user point of view, my question is, why is it? That the stupidest guy online with everybody who's always got garbage to say, who's always talking for nothing and, and, and telling jokes and fooling around, why is it that he's coming through loud and clear and the guy calling the shots, we can hardly hear him? That's, uh, we'll talk to Murphy about that. I, I, I think he invented a law about that, right? <laughs> I have a, an anecdote. It's funny because one time I get a call here, uh, here at home, and uh, somebody was just, asking me he goes hey you know that new system that we have and uh, blah 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 and uh, because basically on 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 bell packs you um you go to one bell pack you plug it in there's an output you know you call it dz chain you go to the next one and the next one and the next one and and obviously if you unplug you know the first one everybody it's it's like christmas lights when you unplug you yeah, know yeah. that is serious so <laughs> one burns out the one, rest of yeah the, exactly the, rest the old ones but yeah. uh so so I, there was this system a digital system with you know two channels one wire and there were all daisy chains for certain groups of people that were working in 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 the show uh, like a department i just don't want to you know make it too so <laughs> not too specific exactly so but th that's true and then <laughs> and then somebody asks me is there a way for the guy because if you have one wire we're call we know we're in the digital world so there's one wire two channels you get a bell pack you get channel a channel b so um if you don't want to listen to channel b you yeah, just you just bring wrong. down the volume right yeah. but then the guy goes is there a way that you know we can make a certain people on that line not being able to turn up channel b and i'm like uh okay well it's 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 doable but not the way that we're wiring it i mm. uh, just want to make it simple we have to redo the whole wiring system make wise and just you know not plug anything in the b channel or, or whatever and uh but then it was very complicated and i'm asking i'm saying why would you want well he goes this guy that you know who's in charge doesn't want certain people in 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 the show that he's bitching about him so i'm like are you serious so you're gonna reach out say how about you tell the guy for two hours not to bitch <laughs> then <laughs> the life will be easy but then it was it's like this is like a like i've had i've had requests to make you know can you make a two-channel clear come have three and then we do you do miracles and yeah we, we, if we put something this way and then we force something that way you know you, you all but to do uh, uh like the un, the the unbitch switch and then i never heard about no, that so no. but yeah. that was like a funny request <laughs> yeah and something else i want to i want to put out there uh while i got a microphone in my hand hands and uh, i'm talking to a lot of people at the same time i just want to send out this message um the volume on your belt pack does not control your mic <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I had to say it. <laughs> yeah, I have a little uh, little cartoon that 
<laughs> like in, in comms, uh, everybody listens to comms. There's speakers everywhere. Everybody's got a mic. Um, so I have this little cartoon. I think it's Bert and Ernie. I like to print sometimes. Uh, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's Ernie telling Bert who's got a, a face and he's got headsets on. And uh, it says, uh, you can never go back once the talk switch is on. <laughs> that means that he said something oh you know that idiot blah 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 and then yeah. the idiot is listening so i always say once you put an intercom on just you know it's like a billboard yeah. you know everybody's seeing you or whatever so yeah, yeah we had a code for client on com yeah over we a scan is that it uh, no we just said coc client uh, client on com oh, okay so we, if the client is on com uh be careful, guys. Yeah. So, so me, we used to say uh, somebody's starting to talk, blah blah blah. And I would say I would get on the air and say, "Oh, yeah, people, there's some overscan going on here. There's overscan, overscan, <laughs> overscan." So saying, "Oh, you know, somebody's yeah. listening that you don't want to." So just yeah. be careful out there. Yeah. If the new guy didn't know the code, well, tough. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll you'll learn. You'll learn. Yeah, exactly. Enough, if yeah. he keeps his job. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's go back. To, normally, I I start the other way around or actually no i say that on every episode i do not have an order i don't do things orderly i don't i don't have any discipline whatsoever i just <laughs> do whatever i want um i'd like to go back to the early days yep. i there's things i want to talk about i want to talk about your touring days i know that when we were working together you talked about uh, the tragically hip and all that but i'd like to start by going back even further and tell me before you started working up till the day where you were into this uh, this line of work, yeah. how did that happen? How, what what guided you to this? And, it happened. And how did you start? I started and, as... And a, thanks for the glass of wine. No problem. It's, it's like tout le monde en parle here. We're drinking wine. <laughs> <Right on. laughs> um, yeah, uh, I started... It, obviously, it's funny because uh, recently I did some DJing for Jean-Marc Parent. At, at, yeah, at, yeah, I see you on TV yeah. all the time. <laughs> I came really back cool. with the DJing stuff. But that's how I started. I mean, me yeah. and my buddy, uh, way back in Burlington, Ontario, where I used to do my high school, um, we picked up turntables and we went to clubs. And then uh, one of those clubs was uh, it was called in Burlington. It's called Clancy's Live. And then we're talking about Burlington, Ontario. Ontario. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then um, because I was like part of the uh, part, I guess the staff, I was doing like a little DJ gig for uh, the Sundays or something like that. But on a Saturday, they used to have bands come in. And I remember that we had Gowan back oh, yeah. in the day and uh, rick emmett from triumph mm -hmm. and uh so they needed some uh, roadies just people to uh help with uh oh really yeah i thought you i thought that all started at at solo tech no it's the other way around. that's the other way around i wow. yeah it, it was uh they needed roadies so they just i picked you up like that they well they asked well it's you can you unload the truck can you uh you know push a uh, push this uh you know uh put that there put that there <laughs> exactly yeah. talking about like uh, the early days like uh the first par that had like a, a yoke and uh, it went up and down and that's oh, yeah. it and that, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know so they had six of them and then that was the end of the world and yeah. so um so i did that and i really enjoyed you know i kind of say yeah this is cool this is fun stuff uh then i came back to live here in in sorel and i i was actually really uh, studying uh, a lot of uh, electronics in cegep 
and I, it always something and then the DJing stuff I always used to like uh, build up my own lights myself too in my mm. little console with dimmers and stuff at the basement at home so I always had like a uh, I guess you would say like a, something that was natural for me to do and then here in Sorel uh, I you saw him today so uh, I met this guy named uh, Stéphane Bellin who had a, this little shop and with uh, not a lot of uh, gear, but, you know, he had some speakers, amps, and consoles. So he showed me how to do it. And uh, I started to do uh, my friend's band who, you know, like their first gigs. I used to be the guy and then, you know, hooking it all up. So I uh, did that. But then, you know, I didn't have any school, right? Because I, 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 I was still in electronics, but nothing had to nothing was uh you know even coming close being here in sorel being an industrial city uh, the electronics was more more based towards you know like uh, robots and whatever yeah. not towards the electronics of audio or whatever so i ended up going to um a musée technique ended up uh, paying a large amount of money yeah. and then went that was in montreal yeah it was in okay. montreal it still is i think yeah it still exists yes. and uh so i went there what year was this i believe it's 95 95 yeah okay how old are you now I'm, I just turned 46. 46. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I started, you know, but because I had uh, that Steph music background where I used to go and do some live shows in Cabana Sucre or mm -hmm. little little uh, little bars and stuff like that, um, I, I picked up some, some work uh, during the summer at the Montreal Jazz Festival. Oh, okay. So uh, then doing, I... Doing what? Doing just a stagehand. Just okay. being on the stage, sure. uh, plugging microphones, doing changeovers for bands and yeah. stuff like that while I was at Musique Technique. Musique Technique is a great school for learning how to do post-production or commercial or, you know, computer music or whatever. But they, they never really went into the live part of the business okay. but that's where i came from and i liked it so uh i guess uh they they gave me the opportunities though that's the thing they had the contacts they had ah. uh the job opportunities like a lot of you know like a jazz festival would need like uh, some uh you know interns or whatever to to help during the summer or whatever so they would go into different those those schools and then they would you know we'd go there for free but then it was a great experience but then when I went to the Jazz Fest, I did a, a couple of, uh, years in a row, Jazz Festival, Francofolie. And, but because I was, a, a, you know, ahead of a lot of people being on the stage and, and doing what I was doing, yeah. uh, they hired me back. So by, the, by that time, also, I did a little gig. It was a TV gig uh, uh, at TVA. It was mm -hmm. for... Uh, I think it's Politiquement Colette it was called. Oh, yeah. With Pierre Brassard, yeah, dressed yeah. as a woman, doing interviews or whatever. It's yeah. pretty weird. Uh, but then I was, my, was my first time, you know, uh, going into the TV business. Uh, I, again, uh, you know, setting up speakers, passing wires or whatever. Were you were you on the union? The no, point? not at all. Not how, at all. How did that happen? It was just, uh, I was a, a stagiaire. How, I don't okay, how, how yeah. do you say that yeah, in English. I've never knew the french word uh, the english, english word yeah. Mustache, yeah, but, yeah yeah so yeah so okay. you're you're just i was just there as a it's like a trainee yeah trainee or yeah. whatever yeah so um so I, I did that and then at that place you know because now you hear from sorel to montreal getting into the big leagues uh i get i i saw some soundmans you know that were yeah. doing the 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 they were doing the sound for uh basically the studio i guess the uh 
for the crowd or whatever. They were from Solotech. Solotech was a provider. So then I slowly, you know, asked them, you know, do you think I could have a job at Solotech? And then I gave my name. And the funny anecdote about that is, is uh, I started, I went there and I remember, you know, <laughs> being from, you, you're talking about like, in the 90s and stuff like that you know show business you know people with long hair and they know yeah. and uh, you know so i had i guess blonde dreads you oh. know you know <laughs> and it was funny because you know it was fine and i was working i was doing my stuff but and djing also on the side too and uh when i asked the guy uh, he goes hey, well just go and put bring your resume to solo tech and do this do that and then i I never got any words back, right? Uh-huh. And then about three weeks after, I asked the same guy, uh, on, uh, and then what's happening? You think uh, goes? He was, you know, reluctant. He was saying, "Well, you know, maybe if you cut your hair." Uh-huh. And I'm like, "Are you are you serious?" And I thought he was rock and roll, but you know what? Uh, I did. And then the next day, Solotech called me, and then they hired me for the summer, and. Uh, in 96 97 me driving my old chevette or another car with full of bondo on it and (laughs) because i hated doing the bondo so i ended up just leaving it on and i didn't care and i end up being in a parking lot at solotech bondoing speakers (laughs) to make you know outside i'm like are you serious and then i get a call i get a call from uh from the uh, just uh, just not just for last but the uh the festival de jazz jazz fest and they're asking me um can you come back for the third year you know we'd like you to be on the crew and uh and then we'll do uh, it's a two weeks of jazz and and the schedule was changed and they did back to back the franco folie so it was a whole month so i ended up you know, like here I'm, here I am just being hired by Solo Tech. You know, sandblasting and doing paint job yeah. in the parking lot outside, <laughs> and I have the jazz calling me to be back on stage and doing the work that I like. So I went up and saw my boss, and I asked him. I says, "Do you think I could have a month off?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "We just hired you." Yeah. And then we hired you for the summer, and you're asking for a month off. What's going on? I'm like, well, you know, there's uh two, there's one problem. I am here, you know, painting some some speakers out in a parking lot, and I have the uh, jazz fest asking me to be a technician, which I studied for there to be go. on stage. There and then go. the guy said to me, he "Goes, oh, um, you mean you you know the the way around a stage and stuff like that?" So comes to you know, they never read the resume right they exactly. just it was just, it was, exactly. it was just like oh here's some yeah, guy here's yeah. a guy who wants to and then, so I, he asked me he goes okay well i didn't know that so how about how about because we they were looking for a guy a representative of the solo tech because they were everywhere mm-hmm. uh so solo tech uh was you know supplying the whole jazz fest so he goes why don't you become the solo tech guy on the jazz fest then i said well that would that would be fun so i would see it would be fun to me to say, like, I didn't want to say no to these people who, who gave me my first chance. Yeah. But at the same time saying that, you know what, I'll be there, but for solo tech and I'll, I'll do the gig with you guys. So that went really smooth. And so that's basically how I started, you know, in the solo tech thing. Cool. Yeah. And then after that became the, the tours and stuff like that, that because solo tech had tours. Uh-huh. So uh, do you want to go on a first tour? I think it was Jeanette Renault across Quebec. And then two years after... Like my first major tour was uh, it was Céline. Wow! Just because it happened, it could have been 
anything. Was that only in Canada? Or that was, was in Europe. That was in a, Europe. Yeah, oh. that, that was a uh, that was a weird tour because it was, it's the first time doing the big tour up and around. Like they had been touring for a long time with the same crew, but they were doing like arena shows. Mm-hmm. And then when they and she was you know she was starting to grow. That's before Vegas and everything. Yeah. And she was starting to grow and grow and grow. And now they were doing like big stadium soccer stadium in in Europe. And so they needed, and that's when they first had the um, the, the central stage. So oh, yeah. the difference between the, the arena and the central stage, then is, it's twice the speakers because you're in around and mm-hmm. twice the lights and twice everything. So they needed more people on, on the crew. That's how I got my chance. And that was also the year uh, that uh, René had the first cancer. So there's some of those tours uh dates that we never did because okay. she came yeah. back but th- that was actually the the break one of the big breaks that i got being at the right place at the right time i guess i can mm. say it was like that yeah and what do you say i mean if if you had to go back there uh you know sanding those speakers in the parking lot yeah um well, let's say you'd have to you, let's say you had the uh, the 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 opportunity to talk to yourself at that time Mm-hmm. Would you say like speak up, go go tell people what you really do, or just wait for your chance? Or I, how do you see that? I think I think I would have waited for my chance because I was. Th- th- I think the way I saw it, I guess, was it was hard just to make it there, just to yeah. to put your foot in that door. So you got to watch your attitude. You got to watch it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. at the same time, I've seen a lot of people going in and out of 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 different shops and. And the reason is like they they weren't at the right place, or 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 the shop didn't give them the opportunity. I I mean, one of the things I found, which is pretty sad, and there's a guy who likes he went he went he goes into the shop. He's in charge, I guess, of a a department, and he's doing a super good job at what he's been placed to do. But that's not what you want to do. He likes to do mm. uh, some shows. He'd like to do some tours. But then being, uh, I guess, a boss at, 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 at that company, uh, you, you're having a good guy. He's, he's running the department good. So uh, what are you going to do? A problem. Are you yeah. going to send him on the road and lose? Yeah. So then, but at the end, you end if up... the lo- guy's not happy, yeah. and I've been in that situation. I, I, yeah, I was shop manager at one time. I hated the job. Yeah. But apparently I did it well exactly that was a problem <laughs> yeah so then you're stuck yeah. there they, they don't yeah. want to yeah i've had people asking me to manage stuff it's not my 40 i never liked it so i never said yes to that i uh-huh. never uh, no and i've had jobs opportunity back in the days where you know i would have had like a, a quote quote job security mm-hmm. um but i let it go because i was you know, it would be like uh, between four walls. There's a price to that. <laughs> yes. There's a big price to pay for job security. Yeah. First question, and I, I got to talk, I, I got to speak out about this. Um, first thing you need to ask yourself, um, I understand that, you know, some people have mouths to feed and all that. But I mean, before going into job security, ask yourself if this is what you want to do. Exactly. I mean, there's, you're going to spend way too much time at work to be doing something you don't like yeah that's my philosophy oh it's yeah that's and i guess it's the philosophy of pretty much everybody in our domain right we're doing what we love and there's a certain freedom to that yeah 
And and then, and then what we love, you gotta love it too, because at the same time, I mean, it's you know like I heard on the other the other I think it's like a week ago they were talking about you know no, the quote again the normal people <laughs> having jobs nine to five, um, talking about would you be willing to work four days instead of five and have three day weekends but then your days would be instead of eight hour days would be 10 hour days right yeah. and a lot of people i guess it was like an open mic somewhere or something and a lot of people were talking about well no at 10 10 hours and then i don't i mean <laughs> i cannot think of a job that night never went under 10 hours well, yeah you know what i mean in our field so I mean, yeah. the love has to be there because they're long hours. But then the thing is, like the the opportunity is here I am at home on a Monday afternoon. I'm not working. That's because I did 14 hours on Saturday, I guess. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's one thing, I mean, at, at a certain point, I don't know. I, I guess when you're doing, uh, when you're working for television, you are paid by the hour or something. You got like, you got minimum hours. Yeah. So the bonus is you got to... If you got a setup day, or um, basically you usually are on are on setup day because the the actual show actually is really more often than enough more than ten hours, right? So, mm -hmm. but the, the you get minimum hours. So I get called for something; it's ten hours guaranteed, right? Yeah, yeah. So you work eight, then you got a two hour bonus, right? You're paid ten. If you work twelve, then you paid ten plus. A two-hour overtime fee you yeah, get overtime yeah. on that yeah yeah because i remember when we were touring and just for fun i i calculated i said okay so i'm making i don't know back then we're making what 250 bucks a day or something yeah. like that and uh and you say well 250 bucks a day is not bad at the time if you think yeah, it's pretty good money but if you break it down by the hour it's uh, it's ridiculous it money <laughs> it, it's it's not even it's it not even minimum wage no it, it doesn't. doesn't make sense but then again you got to you got to think of what you're doing in a day. What would I be doing if I was just doing a normal job? I'd be like doing eight hours of something I don't mind doing, but don't particularly like. Then maybe some, a couple of hours of traveling. And after that, I'd get home and then I could do something I really like for a couple of hours. Yeah. And, and that's it. So being on the road, being doing uh, gigs, doing tours, all those hours were spent doing something I love. Yeah. Even the traveling hours. How much fun did we have traveling? Oh, we did. Yeah. We have pictures. We have anecdotes. We have <laughs> stories, man. We got that little Hawaiian girl on the dashboard. Yep. Come on. Elvis, I mean, baby. Elvis. I still have it somewhere yeah. in the shed. Yeah. Lung Hao. Lung Hao. Lung We named her. We gave her a name. We even made her a little toque and, and a scarf for yeah. winter uh, When we winter were driving. Yeah. yeah. When I we mean, had the own the when we had our own truck, uh, the we had our own truck. I call it the, pe the piece of shit the truck. The piece of shit <laughs> truck, yeah. But it did the job. That was really cool. Yeah. So listen, we're talking about this, and we're all you know we're all getting excited. Like like anybody at home would be excited about I don't know going to the basement and and working on something or doing something that you like or playing uh, guitar or or watching a football game or something. We're talking about we're probably more excited than these people, and we're actually working. Yeah. So that is very, very important. Uh, so touring days. Um, so then you said you, you worked with uh, Sinenzio and then you... I know you did Tragically Hip, right? Yeah, that was a, a special tour in 2000. It was uh, okay. the, the Music at Work tour. It was something... Uh, it was pretty neat because um, it was 
during the time, I guess, uh, the, the crew of the, of the hip, the rigging and the lighting were all from out west. I believe it, called, it was called West Sun, the company, or something like that. Okay. I think it was from Vancouver. I know these companies are all been bought and, and not exist anymore, yeah, right? a lot of things have been yeah. worked around. But it was one of those things where the uh, sound company, I guess, and especially the sound guy from the Tragically Hip back in the day, uh, he wanted to. Uh, well, he he heard about the uh, the solo tech company. He heard about the uh, the speakers we were using and the new technology. A lot were developing during that time. So he wanted to, uh, you know, try it. I guess so. It was very small crew of of uh, of Quebecers. It was uh, me, Francois, and uh, Colin. We were three people mm-hmm. uh, going uh, setting up the tragically tour um it was all i guess it was right after celine using the equipment yeah in 2000 it must have been because celine was in 98 99 okay. so um the the this store the hip were in an arena uh just like a normal show but they opened the backstage to people i guess for cheaper so they needed an in around sound so oh. i guess the logic was well if celine did it in around let's we didn't use as many speakers obviously because we were back into a uh, not not a soccer field but in, into an arena but it was the same kind of principle so it was cool because we were actually i was touring with you know riggers from this company light guys from another company mm-hmm. the sound guys were from the, the we were the frenchmen from quebec <laughs> and then we had the hip and uh, and it, i would say yeah, okay. I've met many Frenchies. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> we all have the same nickname. Yeah. So uh, that I would believe like I did not do. I did some touring for maybe I would say five years, you know, uh, Céline, André Rieux, um, The Hip. And I did a lot of uh, theater stuff in the States and stuff like that. But, you know, um, the Tragically Hip Tour was one of the special ones. It was the one that, um, well, the band was fantastic. The people were, fan- you know, like the, the production was so cool. Uh, the, the touring was actually pretty neat. because you, you were actually on the tour bus, right? We were, well, there was four tour buses. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I figured. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we were, part, like, there's a tour bus that's, you know, the band. Yeah. And then the next three buses were technicians. So, yeah. So, we were really... Uh, going it started in um it, it was a vancouver pre-production you know like really uh being there for a week and a half setting up the stuff preparing it then on our way you know across canada a couple of states state you know mm-hmm. up north uh boston and i guess chicago we we did and stuff like that and uh then going across all the way to like places i've never been you know like newfoundland and stuff like that yeah Yeah. and then you know coming back to finish it back in toronto uh, around christmas time uh on that yeah it was uh, and it was the only the only one the the only tour that actually you know the band i i've saw i've seen like after i guess on the juno awards or something like that i did after many many years after that you know like band members still remembers your name and stuff like that, that so is amazing there were a, yeah. a bunch of great 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 people uh like i said it was i guess in all the t- i've had fun in tours i've had you know hard times in tours mm-hmm. and stuff like that 
but this tragically hip tour is one of the sweet one that, that actually I, I were you I, always on the bus or was there hotel rooms when there, you got to cities there were the, the way it would work is uh you you don't have days uh all the time right it's you know it's not yeah. like one after the other um but it, let's say you have a a place where you have two or three days in a row then you step out the tour bus you go into the hotel room okay if you uh, have a tr sometimes you would go like let's say you're in this city you hop on the tour bus you go to the next city uh but then you don't play until uh, not not the day after you know like yeah so yeah. then you would go into hotel like a uh, good the, the one of the hard one i had was andre rieurs three weeks it was five days in a row in five different cities so it's in out in out in out and out and out then two days off at the hotel then in out and out and out and so and those two days you spend them sleeping you spend them sleeping and you spend them at the laundromat yeah that too. because you gotta yeah. wash your clothes <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing on tour that people don't think about it's like yeah you gotta live and you can't carry like shit loads of no suitcases and, yeah i used to yeah. I, I even when i do now uh like i, I get i go to the some i do the olympics uh i've done two two so far mm. and uh some so sometimes you'll be gone for i know i'll be gone for like two weeks i got a two weeks kit basically this wow. uh, that's you got enough underwears enough socks enough t-shirts basically they're all the same and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know a special at walmart there we go i'm buying that so uh, <laughs> so but then yeah some sometimes you would have uh, we, we would do the, the laundry some of the productions are pretty cool you know uh you know the the big ones the hip celine uh you would have like a laundry bag you put your name on it oh, and then uh, okay. drop that at the production office in the morning and then, then you know pick it up at night they, they get they get it done for you you have no choice i mean yeah, uh, yeah. but then uh, sometimes it's fun to you know to be in your own stuff and oh yeah of yeah, course that uh, i i've toured a lot of europe a lot of cities in germany and stuff like that and it's funny because people say oh it must be nice you, you've seen a lot of tour i see, i could tell you that i've seen a lot of loading docks <laughs> i've seen a lot of uh dumpsters back at the uh you know uh the arena where the tour bus would park yeah and the we trucks know what the and we know what the garbage <laughs> smells like in every damn city in this world actually yeah. but you know the days off you would get Yeah. they would pay for for that hard work you know just going uh -huh. into um you know uh, a city like maastricht in in holland walking around and just visiting because you have a day off and you you, you kind of forget that you've been on the tour bus for four yeah. days straight yeah so so you talked about hard times what is there anything in particular you'd like to talk about what what was tough during all this being you know, away being, being away, away being away that was my next question yeah. how Yeah, with this kind of job you have a family you yeah have, you have a wife and you have a, a daughter yeah um how did all this affect your your family well life? to be honest uh we know each other uh because i stopped touring mm -hmm. and the reason for that is because i had my daughter i've had a lot of stories while i was in big tours of the older guys not seeing their family and getting divorced you know and stuff like uh, that yeah. um when my daughter came into this world i pulled a plug on the touring mm. that's where i guess um that didn't make a lot of my boss back then happy because i've been trained and i've was you know yeah they invested in you they right? invested yeah. and I, i actually you know 
went and did a lot of work for them during that time. But then I wanted to be more at home and stuff like that. But they did, they didn't give me good gigs, I guess, just to mm. was it to piss me off or was it just that's the gigs they had. Like some big companies, they only have that big tours, and then once you know you you do their local work, they're sometimes very you know there's not much there there's not yeah. much there so that's how i went to uh a friend of mine was working for a uh a, um, a production company that had a lot and a lot of uh comedians in quebec we have that opportunity to have like a, a big um a lot of a lot of comedians and and tours of comic tours they last for a long time right so um i ended up doing comics and that's how i met you with uh, you know a whole bunch of uh yeah yeah of comedians for a few years so together, yeah stand up comics yeah. so door stores yeah. are easy in quebec because then you're you're at home during the week uh you mostly work thursday friday saturday nights you're back uh and then once a while you'll go to gaspizy you'll go up north yeah, you'll and leave then, for a week you'll leave for a week not and the then you're back not the end of the world yeah, yeah exactly oh, so nice. yeah that's how i stopped <laughs> Oh, that's cool. So the family, actually, yeah, I wanted to be home for that. That's for sure. But but it is something that you got to think about. Now my daughter is is older, and uh, I kind of found myself being in the television business. That's where I get to go. That's where I get to go uh, longer. But then yeah. it's the thing is too. I mean, I remember doing the Celine, and we would line up with our calling cards. You know, with our special number, so it wouldn't, it wouldn't, and then we would just phone call because we oh, didn't have any like internet yeah. was like, uh, you know that I can't internet make was was not very accessible. It was just emails. It was and just even cellular yeah. phones were very very expensive at the time. Yeah, I think your dog's hungry because oh, kind of... that's that's fine. <laughs> She'll live. I'm 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 petting a dog, a big dog right here, right next to me. I feel like like I'm at home petting my own dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so obviously now it's changed i mean uh one of the first time that i left for a month which since the touring business was in 2012 where i went to london for the olympics that's when my daughter got her first ipod mm. that i bought her and then i had my iphone and then we actually had the, you know it was star trek back then because we had like you know like uh, oh yeah yeah we could see each other and talk to each other with the video and all stuff. that stuff wasn't even science science fiction when i was in school yeah yeah. So yeah. so that changed a lot of way now that you, uh, I guess you could tour because you could see. I, I could, you know, you, you FaceTime and then you, you know, or you, so that that that, that didn't exist. And that's why I, I pulled the plug on, on the touring. Mm-hmm. And I liked it, but at the same time, nothing happens for nothing. And I'm glad I did. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, it's nice that you did it when it was time to do it. Yeah, I guess so. And I guess there's a bunch of... Uh, of guys out there, the new generation who would like to uh, hop on a tour and see what all that's about. It is fun. I mean, I mean, yeah. it's it's memorable. I mean, it's it's hard work. It's this and that. But I gotta say, I wouldn't. I would do it again. Of I, course. I, I, and, <laughs> you know, everybody. I don't even ask this question anymore because it's like, okay, if if you had to do it over, would you do it differently? And I always get the same answer: not really. No, exactly. You know? But there's one thing I like. I do like to ask everybody. Um, is I'd like you to, to tell me if you have any advice you'd like to give to uh, guys out there coming out of school, guys and girls, there's a lot more and more girls yeah. out there coming out of school or just starting in the business and they'd like to hop on a tour like this. Um, what kind of advice could you give I always these give people? the same advice. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there's two things, right? There's, there's uh, skills that people have and yeah. there's attitudes 
that people have and um the way you're looking at at things um attitude goes a long way it goes i think even further than skills in, in some places mm. um so my advice is i mean I did start sending those speaker box in 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 in, in the parking lot, yeah. but but I I had the opportunity to pull myself out of that with a great attitude. I didn't bitch about it. I didn't, you know. Um, and yeah, yeah. and start by doing what 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 they ask you to do. Start by doing that well, and then look out for opportunities. That's, but don't start bitching before you even do anything because nobody has the occasion to see what you're capable of. Exactly. And the thing is, too, is I find that nowadays um, it is long and hard in school. It is expensive in school. And it's not true that because you go to school in a particular field of work that you have a, a promised job, you yeah, know. Of course. And once you get into that job field, um, you'll be at the bottom of the ladder, that's for sure. So... Yeah, and my advice is if you really like what you're doing it it takes time and it at the same time listen and look and and take the advice of the other people sometimes you don't know everything mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i pretty I've, often I say. <laughs> well i still like i mean i'm still learning i'm right? i'm learning all the time yeah. i mean i go into new trucks and i have no problems saying to uh like say you don't know instead of pretending mm -hmm. you'll look a lot smarter at the end oh yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure <laughs> i remember one time uh, i was rigging a truss and i'm not sure i told this story before there was this i i call it i call this a little girl because it was literally a little girl um although she was obviously major um and i asked her okay can you crank the chain block then I walk away, I go do something else. And when I come back, she's looking at the chain block. And uh, I say, okay, is there a problem? She says, yeah, I don't know how to do it. I said, oh, cool. I'm glad you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. Especially yeah. when something that goes over your head, right? And that could well, fall. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you're telling me this. Yeah. 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 So I've, I'll gladly show you how to do yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I would have preferred you tell me when I asked you to do it, though. No, well, that's for sure. But still. <laughs> hey, Eric, I think uh, I think it's about time to wrap this up. All right. Uh, thank you so much. Pleasure. And uh, I'm I'm drinking to your health and to your past, present, and future. Well, uh, let's do this again sometimes. Absolutely, <laughs> anytime, my friend. All right. Have a nice uh, Have a nice day. Have a nice. Uh, working life and take care All right, there you uh -huh. go. special thanks to avl media group and avil lights who make in my opinion the best lighting consoles in the world if you would like to test drive an avil lights uh, lighting console or if you would simply like to get free training uh, you can contact me via backstagecowboys.com i answer to every email in person almost instantly unless i'm on a plane or in the shower all right hey uh cue the music <laughs>